G'day friends, welcome back. So today, for the first time since I was there in person when it happened, I have re-watched the 2010 drawn grand final between St Kilda and Collingwood. Because I hate myself. <laughs> I realized something today while I was watching the game. I think it's the best game that I've ever seen live. I think it must be. It's not the only draw I've ever seen live. I think I've seen one other. Um, but yeah, it's it's the best. I can't think of a better one that I've seen. I've seen a few others that were pretty good. I've seen a few other finals that were pretty good. I was at the 2009 prelim which is a pretty good game. It's the only 2009 final I got to see. Um, 2010 qualifying final was pretty good as well. Um, but that, this game, so the only way it would have been better is if St Kilda had won, obviously. Um, it, it would have gone down in history as one of the great premiership victories ever. So... The, the way that this game went, even though Collingwood totally dominated the first half and St Kilda totally dominated the second half, it was, it was enthralling from start to finish. And, and like both teams only scored 68 points apiece, but it was still super entertaining to watch. Grand, like, grand finals aren't like this anymore. No games are like this anymore. It was so hard and contested and and fast god it was such a good game it was such a good game um yeah there isn't i don't know how to describe how different this game is to the game that we have now like somehow like most games nowadays will have higher scoring than this game had but it was just so good to watch it was so entertaining like Collingwood burst out of the blocks early in the game and like the Collingwood side on this on this day was a lot younger than the St Kilda side. St Kilda had played finals like six out of the last seven years or something or or five of the last six years. Like we made a prelim in 04, 05 and 08 I think before making the granny in 2009, 2010. Um, so, it, like, we played plenty of finals. Um, so, a, a good chunk of the list was aging. Not super old yet, but, the, you know, there were plenty of players who were past their, you know, they were closer to the end than they were to the beginning, you would say. But the Collingwood team was very young. So, they burst out of the blocks and they were red hot. 
early on. Um, This game is made up of moments, really. You obviously got the Goddard mark at the end. There's that touched behind by Nick Maxwell right on the line, like six inches before it went over the line. God, if just, if that had gone through, like watching this game over again, knowing it was a draw and watching everything like, or a little free kick that doesn't go your way, or there was a 50 meter penalty that St Kilda gave away, which led to a Collingwood goal, like little things like that. If it just hadn't happened or if it had gone slightly different way, gee whiz. Um, But yeah, there was that Nick Maxwell touch goal. There was a Lenny Hayes goal in the last quarter from 55 meters out. God, there, there, there was... And in the first quarter, there, there was a five-minute patch where Collingwood kicked two goals from very, very deep in their left forward pocket. So Alan Didak kicked one basically sitting in the first row. He, he started right up against the, the fence, and I believe he kicked it. He was still outside the boundary. He was so he was on such a tight angle. And he was, it was his left foot kick, and it just went straight through the middle. It was like their third goal or something, and he's just kicked that. And I remember, I remember a lot of this day, but I remember that going through and just going, "Yoof, this might not be our day." When, when goals like that are going through, it kills your confidence pretty well. And then Dale Thomas kicked one from a very similar spot about two minutes later. So Collingwood. Like Collingwood's, it was Collingwood's pressure that got them on top so convincingly early on. Like both teams were applying a heap of pressure, but every single St Kilda possession was under a heap of pressure. Every single one. That that there was no uncontested possessions for St Kilda in, excuse me, in probably the first ten or fifteen minutes of that game, um, and and. You know, Collingwood would win the ball, get it inside 50, but then they were taking those shots that you normally wouldn't take. Normally, especially nowadays, if you've got one of the shots that Didak or Thomas had, you put it to the top of the goal square. It's a percentage play, right? Top of the goal square, maybe you get a mark, maybe you get a crumb for a goal, right? But they just kicked them. They just kicked them. I don't know whether that was coach-driven or player-driven, Maybe Didak and Thomas just in those moments just thought, yeah, I'll have a go. I'll just have a crack. I'm confident. But it was those little moments that really allowed them to get on top early. St Kilda fought back a little bit late in that first term, and I think it was only about a goal the difference. I think it was, in fact, a goal the difference at quarter time. Um, and then the second quarter, Collingwood were just all over us. That They were a lot, lot better. I reckon it was three or four goals. Um, to just one in the second quarter. Collingwood was so dominant. You know, Dane Swan was playing really well. Thomas was playing well. Sidebottom and Pendlebury, the only two players still left, um, played really well. Um, Chris Dawes played quite well. He had four shots on goal. He didn't convert any of them, but I still think he played quite well. Um, and their back line was really solid as well. Nathan Brown, who ended his career at St Kilda, completely suffocated Nick Rewalt on this day. Like, Rewalt still, I think, ended up with two goals. Um, but you got to remember that the, the, this was Rewalt 
Nick Rewalt at the peak of his powers. He 2009-2010, he was unstoppable. He was injured for a lot of 2010, but 2009 especially, that whole era where St Kilda were at the top, he was absolutely unstoppable. He was running the best defenders in the competition off their feet. And he was kicking goals from outside 50. He, he, he was absolutely remarkable. And Nathan Brown did not allow him to do any of that in this game. He didn't have a touch until more than halfway through the first quarter, I believe. Um, and he just had, except for his two goals, he had no impact on the game. Um, yeah, that, that, that was something that I didn't remember. Um, or wasn't aware of. Like, I was only 14 when this game happened. So I don't think I was super across different matchups and shutdown roles and all that stuff. But yeah, re-watching it and watching Nathan Brown, who I really, really liked during his time at St Kilda, who was a really good defender, I had no idea of the role that he had done on Rewalt in that game. Very, very impressive from him. Um... And, like, while Collingwood was so dominant in that first half especially, there were so many St Kilda players who were so quiet. Um, There was a number of players, St Kilda players, who were pretty quiet for the whole game. Um, Like, the side that we put out in the 2010 Grand Final was very similar to 2009. The only difference was Raf Clark, Stephen King, and... And, oh, Luke Ball, obviously. Luke Ball moving across to Collingwood in, in, that, in, the, in, the, in that year. Um, they were replaced by Robert Eddy, James Gwilt, and, and, oh, and Brett Peake. Brett Peake was the other one. So only three changes from one year to the other. Um, Brett Peake's an interesting one. Peake was one of two players who we brought to the club at the end of 2009 to bring more run. And he had a pretty good year. Um, the other one that we brought across was Andrew Lovett, who that didn't go too well. <laughs> that was a bit of wasted time and resources, that one, but how could we have known? Um, but yeah, peak was quiet. Robert Eddy. Robert Eddy's an interesting one. A lot of people, especially people who don't follow St Kilda, will have no idea who Robert Eddy is. He played 33 career games. His 32nd and 33rd career game games were the two grand finals in 2010. He was a kid brought in this team. He had really good form at the end of 2010, later in the season. Um, so he got in, played the final series, um, but he, he, just, he just had no impact. I couldn't even remember. What, like, I remembered him playing in this game, but I couldn't remember what position he played. Was he a midfielder? Was he a half-forward flank? He, he, he mostly played half-forward, but again, no impact. Andrew McWalter, good player. Very little impact in this game. Adam Schneider, I think he kicked one goal, or maybe two goals. Outside of that, very little impact. Um, you know, Clint Jones, who during this period as well was one of the best taggers in the competition, um, but could also rack up 30-plus disposals. Um, it, it looked like he was tr- doing a doing a job on Dane Swan. I couldn't remember whether he did or didn't. Um, and Swan was quiet in patches, but he was also very impactful in patches as well. So, so there was plenty of St. Kilda players. Justin Kaczynski as well. Like, 
and I'll get more into this when I talk about how we came back in the second half, but again, just not a whole lot of impact outside of kicking a goal or two. So it was it was a really, really interesting game. It was like the team was basically carried by Hayes and Goddard, who, and also I'll talk about the Norm Smith a bit later on as well, but the two of them, basically, like it, it was the two of them versus Collingwood. The two of them were so good and so much better than most of the other St Kilda players. Fisher played quite well. Dawson was pretty good. Dempster was pretty good. Um, yeah, like and like Montagna and Del Santo were okay. Del Santo was pretty quiet. Joey did a pretty good job. Um, but yeah, there weren't many who contributed really solidly throughout the entire four quarters, which is disappointing because even just because it was a draw, even just a tiny bit more from any of them could have got us over the line. Um, but like I said, they, they were an aging list. Like guys like Schneider and Dempster, this was their fourth grand final, about to be their fifth. So these guys aren't young. Gardner was at the end of his career. Um, you know, Milne and Cozzy, not old, but, you know, they only they finished up three years after this. So their bodies were getting on a little bit. Um, yeah, just it was just... The game is so much more interesting to analyse when you think about where the two lists were at in terms of age demographic. Anyway, um, so it gets to, it's halftime. St Kilda are 24 points behind. I, I remember it being more. I thought it was closer to five goals, but it was only 24 points the margin, which is pretty doable. But the, how low scoring this game had been, and that's what Ross Lyon had cultivated at St Kilda. Very defensive, very low scoring games. Um but being 24 points behind in this game as St Kilda against this very good Collingwood side, I think Collingwood finished on top of the ladder this year, um, that year, I should say. So it was going to be a tough ask to, to come back from four goals down. And to compound that, they come out at half time and Michael Gardner is injured. He does not retake the field for the entire second half. Don't know what happened. Can't remember. They didn't talk about it much in the coverage, but he doesn't re-emerge at halftime, leaving the ruck duties to Justin Kaczynski and Jason Blake. The, the quirk of Gardner going off the field and those two guys splitting the ruck duties in the second half, it made us faster. Around the, around the ground. It, it totally changed how we were playing. Um, we, we didn't have ruck dominance, so we had to change it up. And it just worked. It worked. We came out after half time and we're just better. And Collingwood started to fumble and make mistakes and we got cleaner and we got more uncontested possessions and we had more control of the ball. We were able to switch it around in the back line. Like everything just started working. And then, you know, in the third quarter, we, we kicked a few goals in a row and got back, you know, to within a goal. And the, the last quarter, it was it was quite even, especially for the first 10 minutes. Not a whole lot happened. There was a long, there was like the last five or 10 minutes of the third quarter and the first 10 or so minutes, maybe a little bit less of, of the last quarter, there was no goals scored at all. It was a really, really tough contest for that back half 
of that third quarter and the start of the fourth quarter really, really tight. But St Kilda were on. When we started kicking a couple of goals, everyone, the cra- I've never, I've obviously never been to a game with 100,016 people at it before or since this. Um, but God, the noise. I'll never, ever, ever forget the noise. One of my, I, I love the roar of the crowd in general, the AFL. A sound I will never forget, especially at this game. Like I said, I've, I've attended other finals, so I've heard this before. But at this game, when the national anthem finishes and that siren goes, there is no other feeling like that. In a grand final, with that many people there, God, that that sound is impossible to describe. And the Collingwood fans were rowdy for this entire game. They were rowdy. Um, anyway, St Kilda, much better in the second half. And it was a lift from just a few players around the ground. Hayes and Goddard had already been quite good, but Hayes even lifted a little bit in the second half. It was the defenders who got more proactive. Um, even even the forward line started to function a little bit better. Everything just started to work. Um, I'm, I'm sure there was more that Ross tweaked. Oh, that, that was another thing. Because... Gardner left the ground. Kaczynski went into the ruck, left us short in the forward line. So what does Ross do? He switches Sam Gilbert into the forward line. Now, Sam Gilbert is one of the most underrated St. Kilda players of this century. I, I always really, really liked him as a player. Good swing man, good athlete, always worked his ass off, really underappreciated, I think, as, you know, a St. Kilda player. In that 2009 round 14 undefeated match against Geelong, he was probably best on ground. He, he was really, really, really good in that game, and that, that was a big, big game. And then he was pretty young at that stage as well. But yeah, he, go, he goes forward. He, he makes us a lot more lively and unpredictable um, in the forward line. I want to talk about the last 10 minutes and 20 seconds of this game. So... 10 minutes and 20 seconds to go. Lenny Hayes takes a mark on the 50 meter line. Now, Lenny Hayes is, you know, six foot two, six foot one midfielder. He's not kicking a goal from 55 meters out. It's not happening. But he unloads one. And, and this goal has got to be the reason he won the Norm Smith because he wasn't as good as Goddard. He wasn't as good. His, his last quarter was unlike any last quarter I've ever seen. He was, if the Norm Smith was just for that last quarter, he wins it by a country mile because he was unbelievable. But Goddard, Goddard obviously took that mark, kicked that goal. It was his second goal for the game. Um, he was playing forward, midfield, back. He was all over the place, Goddard. He was much, much better than Lenny Hayes. I'm not saying Lenny Hayes was undeserving, but Goddard deserved it more. I'll say that. Um, but 10 minutes, 20 seconds to go. Hayes kicks that goal and it blows the walls off the place because Lenny Hayes, the hero, Lenny Hayes is the, he's the heartbeat of this club. He's, he's that midfielder. Everyone loves him. He's hard at it. He's a tackling machine. He's, a, he, he's our second best player after Rewalt. He's an absolute legend, Lenny Hayes, and he's just kicked this legendary goal. And then a couple of minutes later, 
Milne takes a mark 25 metres out straight in front, and he kicks a goal. That Milne goal puts us one point behind. One point behind. Right? And, you know, at this stage, there's eight or nine minutes to go in the game. We're one point down. There's only two more goals that's going to come in this game. Two more goals and three more behinds. Right? So Mill kicks that goal. We're within a point. Not long after that, there is a rushed behind putting us level. Scores are level. 61 points apiece. In comes Brendan Goddard. Now, where my dad and I were sitting, we were at that end, at the city end, watching that ball come into the top of the golf square and talk about noise, watching Goddard take that mark, go back and kick the goal, is, I, I will never, ever, ever forget that moment. That was amazing to be, I mean, we were we were a good ways back. We were under the roof. So we're, you know, we're talking 25, 30 rows back or something. We're a long way back. But watching him take that mark, the noise when he took that mark and then obviously went back and kicked the goal, unforgettable. When he kicked that, we all thought we were going to win. It put us a goal in front. We all thought we were going to win. We thought that was it. Like, how, like a player like Goddard takes a mark like that, a moment like that, with about five minutes to go, six minutes to go, in a grand final, you think you're home. Oh, gee whiz, you think you're home. And then goes down the other end, Collingwood get it behind, and then Travis Cloak kicks that goal, and they're in front by a point. Collingwood are in front by a point. The reverse of the result from 1966. St Kilda win by a point against Collingwood. And then, obviously, if we were in, in good, you know, a good viewing spot um, for the Goddard mark, we're in a good viewing spot for the Stephen Milne bounce. Maybe the most controversial moment in the St Kilda Football Club's recent history. So, Lenny Hayes, of all people, just mongrel bombs the ball inside 50. At this point, there's... You know, there might be three minutes to go in the game, two minutes to go in the game. Um, but he bombs the ball in. It's Milne and maybe Harry O'Brien. I think that's who he was playing on at this point. Might have been someone else, but it was Milne in a one-on-one. And when the ball the ball bounced first to his complete advantage, it was exactly what he needed. It bounced to the right where Milne was, his opponent was on his left, so he, the ball bounced his way. Bounces his way, he goes after it, and then it bounces at right angles, right away from him. And the angle on the broadcast, the Channel 7 camera angle that they've got, it doesn't look good. It looks like it bounces basically past his toes, and he lets it go through for a behind. I can tell you, without a shadow of a doubt, he's not getting that ball. That's another thing I'll never forget, watching that ball go through and not even thinking for a second, oh, you could have got that Milne. There was no way. It didn't sit up for him. It just bounced end over end right along the ground, straight away from where he needed it to go. 
If it had bounced the other way and stayed in and bounced across like perpendicular through the goal square, he would have got it and kicked the goal and we would have won the grand final. But the shape of our ball, the bitch that it is, it bounced away from him and that's the game. And then the ball lives on that interchange wing um, for the rest of the game. And, and that's it. And then the siren goes and I'll tell you what, there is not a more bizarre situation I've ever been in in my life. Now, remember, I was 14, and at halftime, this game was over. So when that siren went at the end, I thought it was the best thing ever. I was like, oh, my God, I've just... Because I knew how rare drawn grand finals were. There would only been two ever before this, and there's going to be no more ever after it, right? So I was there for the last ever drawn grand final. Um, I remember at first being ecstatic. I was like, oh, yes, we get another chance. This game was gone. We never should have won this game. And now we get another chance. And then I look over to my dad. I remember and I, my dad was next to me. And then there was this lady who was next to him who was an older lady. She was by herself. But we were talking. I remember, I remember her so vividly. We were talking to her a lot throughout the game. She was really, really nice. And I remember turning to him and to her and they were just so flat. She was a St. Kilda supporter. They were so flat, both of them. They were like, oh my God. And I didn't get it. And then I looked around, all the St. Kilda supporters were just devastated. And I was like, oh shit. And I was looking around and listening and just the eerie, eerie silence of a crowd that had been so noisy for the last two hours. 100,016 people. And every single one of them, their stomach had just sunk. It is a very, very strange thing to experience. And even the AFL, all the players, all the staff that were around, all the all the end of game stuff, no one knew what the fuck was going on. It was such a strange thing. So um, you've got all the players have just collapsed at the end of the game. You've got that great shot of um, Sean Ryan, legendary umpire, helping Dal Del Santo up off the ground. Um, but then, so, so while while everyone's getting ready, they're still going to present a Norm Smith medalist and then everyone's going to go the fuck home. Um, but they start doing the presentation of the Norm Smith medal and Ross Lyon has gathered all the St Kilda players into a huddle and they're having a, a team meeting while, I don't know who the guy is presenting the Norm Smith panel, but they're, they're talking. They say, oh, you know, what a game. We'll see you all next week. The winner is Lenny Hayes. And it's just as they're breaking out of that hole that they say Lenny, Lenny's name and he's able to go up and get the thing. It was so strange. And all the Collingwood players don't know what's going on. Eddie Eddie and Mick Malthouse are having a conversation with, with Nick Maxwell. No one knows what's going on. Um, all they know is they're going to be back in a week's time. And they don't want to be back in a week's time. Um, it's it's so bizarre. And like, obviously, Lenny goes up, says a few words. Maxwell goes up, says a few words. Rewalt goes up, says a few words. Two captains of the Norm Smith medalist. They say about 20 words between the three of them. They all basically say, thanks for coming. See you next week. <laughs> and that's it. it. It was so, so strange. Um. Because normally the end of a grand final, it goes on for like an hour and a half. They take a big break. They present all the medals. There's all the speeches. 
players do lap after lap after lap around the ground. But the, the post-game stuff went for about three or four minutes and then everyone packed up and went home because they were going to have to be back a week later. I would love, love to know what Ross said in that huddle immediately after the game. I don't know if it was him who brought them all in or Nick or Lenny or whoever, but God, that would be... And like there was lots of reporters and stuff around that, lots of cameras, lots of photos being taken, but... I find that's Ross is an interesting fellow. He's an interesting coach. Definitely some unorthodox things about him, but that that was fascinating. And I remember the week after when it was halftime, and this time we were going to lose. We're a long, long, long way behind. The week after we got smashed, um, when the game was over, before it was over, so during the last quarter or during the third quarter, he was down in the change rooms at the whiteboard planning out the next year. So with his marker doing stuff, he was a strange man. He's an interesting coach. Um, got us as close as we've ever been without winning it. So I doff my hat to him for that, but yeah, interesting fellow. But yeah, that the whole post-game stuff was really, really strange. But yeah, the, the whole game was just unimaginably amazing but yeah you, you can't help think if just one little thing was different and something that i've forgotten as well st kilda rushed so many behinds they tried to do what hawthorne did to geelong in 2008 and just rush them behind and take control of the football back it didn't work <laughs> it didn't work if we had rushed just one less one less we would have won the fucking game but no, that, 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 that's, that, that is... Well, we, they sort of had to do it early in the game because Collingwood were in control so much. They had to sort of rush a few behinds to get the ball back off them. Um, but yeah, I, I really wish that had not been attacked that they'd, they'd employed because Collingwood didn't do it. They only rushed a, a couple, and, and one of which was that amazing dive from Maxwell off that rewalt kick, which is... Blows my mind to this day that he got onto that. Um, but yeah, this um, Foxtel are replaying some of the, like some of the all-time great grand finals over this weekend. Get on it if you haven't already, or if you missed them. The, a lot of them are on KO. There is some great grand finals, and this was a cracker. If you want to watch a bit of history, watch this game because there's never going to be another drawn grand final. Now they've changed the rule. That if there is a draw, it'll continue as it would for any other final with extra time, five minutes each way, and there'll be a winner. Um, they'll never come back the next week. And it's because of this game. It's because St Kilda came back the next week and got slaughtered. And that's why they changed the rule. Um, it, it was very interesting that the following week because there was no Gardner, obviously. Um, St Kilda brought in Ben McAvoy, actually, for the replay. A very young Ben McAvoy. Um, so I lied when I said that there was only Pendlebury and Sidebottom left who played in this game. You know, played in these games. So McAvoy came in to St Kilda. That was the only change St Kilda made. Um, I can't remember. I don't know. I have no idea what the injuries were like at this time, or you know what our depth was like at this time. I can't remember. But you know, hindsight tells you that. Maybe a couple more sets of fresh legs may have done us some good. Who knows? 
Um, and Collingwood just made the one change as well. So Leon Davis unfortunately missed out um, on a premiership because he was he was just out of form and they brought in Tyson Goldsack instead. Who's another player who's actually technically still around. I think he's on Port Adelaide's list, but he's also like an assistant coach. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the, the following week was brutal. But yeah, it, it, it's 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 a really interesting game to go back and watch. I don't think I'll ever have the strength to go back and watch the 2009 grand final because that was the game that we should have won. That was our year, 2009. You only lose two games out of 25. Out of, well, you lose three games out of 25. You lose th- two games out of your first 24 and you're going very, very well. And then you lose the grand final by just a kick or two goals technically. But yeah, just... just one goal of difference when the final siren goes, that that was heartbreaking, that loss the year before. I don't think I'll ever... The St Kilda fans have had to, you know, come to peace, really, with the lack of success that we had in this era. Like, all those finals that we played from 2004 all the way through to 2010 to get as close as you can get without winning to have a draw and to not quite get there with that team that we had. God, it was a good team. Rewalt, Goddard, Hayes, Del Santo, Montagna, Fisher, Dempster, Milne, Schneider, Gardner. Like, it was the best assembled St Kilda team that I've seen in the time that I've been watching football. Um... You know, our best team now, it would demolish our best team now, I'll tell you that. Um, but yeah, to not get there with that team is very, very sad. And, and Ross Lyon is, you know, one of the best coaches of the modern era to also have no silverware, um, which is a real shame. But yeah, it was it, it was just, there was too many players who just didn't contribute. It, it was Hayes and Goddard for the whole game, especially in that last quarter, Lenny, what Lenny Hayes did, it's so, I, I don't know what the votes were like for the Norm Smith, but it's really still surprising to this day re-watching the game that Hayes won it because Goddard was everywhere for the whole game and Hayes was very good for most of the game, but it was just his last quarter we went to another level, and especially in that last 10 minutes. Those last 10 minutes after Hayes kicked that goal were mayhem, mayhem. It's some of the most exciting football that you'll ever get. The last 10 minutes, that grand final, and the two of them were amazing. But yeah, too many players who just didn't do enough for St Kilda. Jason Graham was another one. Like he tied in the Norm Smith medal the year before and just lost on countback. And then this year, like this year meaning 2010, he just didn't do enough. And I mentioned, you know, Peak and a few others. Farron Ray was also quiet. He was a really reliable player for a long time. Just didn't quite do enough in a big, big, big game. Um, but yes, like I said, the fans have had to make their peace with this era. Um, now we have a new era. You know, we got all these new players coming through. King and Clark and Caulfield and Marshall and Steele winning another best and fairest yesterday. You know, this new crop of players and, you know, who knows what they're going to be able to accomplish. 
But yeah, what I know for sure is that I doubt we'll ever see two teams go to war like those two did. It was an absolutely miraculous game. It was a pleasure to be there. It was a pleasure to be there for the last ever drawn grand final. It's something that I'll be able to brag about forever. Um, be nice to brag that, and say that the Saints have won, but not to be, but we will win one at some point. All right. Thanks so much for listening to that one, guys. I hope you've filled your bye weekend with a bit of footy, and now we can look ahead to this year's grand final. It'll be a week from today. Uh, we've got the grand final, not the grand final, the Brownlow tomorrow night, which is going to be a fascinating count, be one of the tightest in recent history. And then, yes, the grand final next Saturday. Hopefully it is close to as good as the the 2010 one was. All right. Thanks heaps for listening, guys. I'll catch you next time. Bye.